Good morning, church. You could hear me the first time, can? All right, all right, all right. Wow. Even as Pastor Ferg's shared earlier with regards to the dominate altar, that's a place where God dominates our life and lives, right? And God dominates the atmosphere of our families and the atmospheres of our existence. Amen. We are a praying church. So, as the f- part of the family of SIBKL at Sungai Bulo, we would expect you to pray. We would want you to pray. Amen. Praise God. Uh, I'm just going to share this with you. You know, I was reading this particular this book. Uh, got this a long time ago. I bought it simply because of the title. I'm not. I'm not selling any books here tonight. <laughs> Those of you who know uh, what I mean by not selling books. Okay. Uh, this is a book by this guy, Nick Ripken. And it talks about. Uh, it says a true story of faith resurrected. It talks about. Uh, the persecuted church. Thank you, Pastor Fox. It talks about the persecuted church and how much these guys go through to live out their faith. Some of them have to get up at 3 a.m. and walk through, you know, walk for miles before they can go to this place where five or six believers can gather together. You know? Uh, and it kind of reminded me, many years ago, uh, we were in a place in Jarantut. Denise and I went for this mission trip in Jarantut, and we had reached this place, and we were like super tired, lah. But you know, we, we drove from KL, and we went to that place uh, in uh, Jarantut by the side of the road where these guys were waiting for us to take us in by four-wheel drives. And the four-wheel drive goes on for about two hours. Then they stop and say, okay, let's get down and walk. It's just a short distance. And, and these guys were asking our guides, how much longer? They were getting tired. Lah. How much longer? Oh, kejap saja, kejap saja. In the end, kejap saja was... We ended up reaching that 7.15. And then they tell us, mari kita mandi dulu, ya? Said, okay, lah, kita pergi mandi. So let's go have a bath, right? And they had this padi bukit, you know, the, the, the padi huma, right? Planted all over this place. And they said, uh, for the ladies, they can go into the house and bathe. Lah. But for the guys, ada itu kolam sebelah, itu padi bukit sana. Pergi sana mandilah. So we were like, okay lah, right, what's a big deal? So we went inside, jumped inside. And then when it came out, right, I don't know if you watched one of these early Rambo movies where he goes into this, this pond and he comes out with lots of leeches, right? I went into the pond, I came out with leeches. I was wearing, you know, a lot of leeches lah, you know. And the best part is, my senior pastor, pastor at that time, Pastor Michael Ho, he, Michael Ho, he was telling me, he said, bro, you know what, God is testing us. I said, well, how is he testing you? I asked him. He said, you know, the more leeches you have, the more generous you are. I don't know how spiritual that was lah. Okay. I don't know how spiritual that was. But one of the things we realized was, we spoke to the the he was a believer, the Ketua Kampong, and he told us this. He said that there's great expectancy in our village for God to move. There's great expectancy. And we were like, okay, that's good lah, you know. At that time, we were like, it was just entering here and probably bouncing off and all that. But great expectancy, he said. And then he said something. He said, we pray we pray a lot. 
We pray a lot. That's why our village is different. I was like, Alama, masuk bakul, angkat sendiri kah? You know, I mean, but he was being honest lah. He was being honest. That night, we realized that six different villagers came together to meet us. And some of them had walked three, four kilometers in the, you know, dalam hutan, like, in, you know, through the forest to come and be ministered to. And as they did that, um, one of these ladies was carrying a baby. You know, they carry these babies, one in the front and one at the back, with the sarongs and all that, yeah. right? And it, it was raining. For us to walk with all our boots and all that, you know, Pastor Fox, you were talking about something similar last week, right? It was so difficult. And these guys, they just walk. They don't even look. It's pitch dark. But they know their path so well. They just walk. Even with the babies and all that. Nowadays, you know, sometimes you want to carry your baby into the bush. Even to take a baby out in the evening, you're concerned about getting bitten by mosquitoes and bugs and all that, right? I mean, it's a fact, right? But this one, this place of bringing them out there. And they were waiting and asking us to pray for them. And, and we were like, hey, balik lah, balik lah, you know, nine something already, you know. <laughs> but they came and they, they ministered to us. They ministered to us, right? And at the end of the day, the ladies were all sleeping inside the rumah panjang, and we were the guys sitting outside, surrounded by 40 over dogs. Because according to the Ketua Kampong, he said they had dogs there because there were tigers, and you could hear the tigers, you know, uh, roaring in the, in, in the dark. And then the next morning, he took us to this place and showed us tiger footprints and all that. Quite big, bigger than your hands, actually. That, that was when I realized tigers, that was, that was the time, sorry lah, I was in my 20s, right? And that's when I realized that tigers eat durian too. Tigers eat durian too. Ah, they are Malaysian tigers lah. Okay, let's get into praying things, right? You know, I w- was talking to you earlier about Neil... Uh, Nick Ripken's book. He talked about a, a very interesting story there. Now I'm going to read this to you, okay, as best I can. Okay, so bear with me on this one. Uh, he was talking about this uh, missionary. I mean, he, he was a missionary to many places, and he was talking about this guy called Dimitri in Russia. And this uh, this story happened during the time where there was lots of persecution, persecution of the Russian church. All right, and I'm going to like kind of like paraphrase it. Like it, it spans, um, I think, eight pages in that book. That's a lot. So I'm trying to paraphrase it from memory. And wait, let me see if I've got it here. So what he 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 said was like what I'm sharing with you. When he went into this uh, uh, to Russia to meet the people, you know, the the members of the house church, uh, he was very very uh, moved by the intensity that they had. It's not Liverpool Football Club intensity, you know. They are quite unintense now, but I'm talking about the intensity, meaning that they always had the foot, their feet on the pedal where connectedness with God was concerned. Everywhere they went, they were aware of the presence of God. Everything they did was founded on their relationship with Jesus. 
So this guy, he was not a formally trained theologian or anything like that. It's just that there was a time where there was lots of persecution, churches were closed down, and he felt in his spirit that he should start a home group. And so he started inviting, he started teaching his kids uh, about the Bible because he did not want his kids to go to school and grow up without the foundation of the Word of God in their lives. So what he did was he started teaching his kids and they started inviting their friends and soon all the neighbors started coming into their homes. This was also a time where the Russian authorities, they will go to the kindergartens, right, the kindies and all that, and they'll ask these kids, three-year-old kids, four-year-old kids, they'll take up a Bible and they'll show them and say, have you seen a book like this in your house? Do you have a book like this in your house? I mean, kids like this, what would they know, right? The moment they say yes, secret police visits them and takes away the book, takes away the parents. And this is how, you know, they were persecuting. It, it was very systemic, right? right? And they were just trying to eliminate the church. The thing about the church of Jesus Christ is this. Persecution causes us to grow. Amen? We read throughout scriptures, especially in the book of Acts, that when they were driven away from Jerusalem, they carried the gospel to the ends of the earth. Right? Why am I sharing this? This guy, so he starts preaching. He starts sharing. So from 50, they grew to 75. And eventually, they crammed up you know, into his, his house was quite small, two-room house. And so they had all these guys cramming into all kinds of every space, every little space that they could find to get into that house, worship God together, and learn the Word of God. Soon, word went out, secret police came and told him, stop. He refused to. And this continued for a while, and finally they resorted to beating this fellow. So a few of them came, up, came in during one of his meetings and beat this guy up so badly that, you know, uh, he had bruises all over his face, broke some ribs, but, and, and he, he was on the floor. There was one elderly woman inside that group who walked up to the guy who beat him and said that you have lifted up your hand against a man of God. You will not survive. Serious, right? You will not survive. And two days after that, this happened on a Tuesday where the beatings were give, meted out. And on Thursday, that guy fell down and died of a heart attack. So the fear of the Lord came upon the townsfolk. More people started coming. Finally, the authorities decided to pull him out of that place and send him to prison. He was in prison for 17 years, being persecuted, beaten, tormented, made to wash toilets by himself, isolated from the rest, and forced to renounce the Lord. Each time they beat him up, they starved him, they even tried to poison him, he held on to the Lord. He held on to the Lord. But there's one time where he almost gave up and that was when the uh, jailers came to him and said look, your wife has died, she was raped and murdered by uh, some people and your kids are all you know, uh, they have all they have all run off and, and 
you know, uh, we don't know what's, what's happened to them. And that was the only time where he felt almost like giving up. And they said, you know, and this is the God that you have been serving faithfully, and this is what he has done. He couldn't even take care of your family. They told this guy that. And he was like, he was very broken, and he felt like, you know, giving up at that, at that particular point. But that night, somehow, when he went to sleep, he couldn't sleep, but he was encouraged in his spirit. He was encouraged in his spirit. And God revealed to him that his family members were praying for him. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, he had a vision where he saw his family gathered together, his wife and his kids, and his, the members of his house church praying for him. And he was encouraged. So the next day, the soldiers came to get his confession where he's supposed to renounce Jesus. And they said, the moment you renounce Jesus, you'll be released. What happened was, when they came and grabbed him, he said he's not going to sign this because he knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that his family is okay. And they were trying to lie to him and that God had showed him this. So they were very puzzled by what was happening. And the next day, they were taking him out to dump him in a frozen uh, yard so that he will freeze and suffer or die, right? As they were taking him, he was singing some hymn. The strange thing is there were 1,500 other inmates in that prison. As they were pulling this guy along, all the inmates, you know, and he was singing this song of worship, a hymn. And every prisoner was also singing along with him. This was at the end of his 17 years, right? And so the jailers asked him, what is your name and who are you? And he said, I am a son of the Most High God. I belong to Jesus. They figured he had snapped or something. But when they saw the response of the people around, the, the other prisoners, what had happened in his 17 years was he lived out. He did not even preach to these guys. He lived out his life honoring God. And he prayed for the salvation of the prisoners. The people outside were praying for him. God strengthened him. Three days from that day, he was released. You know, and it, it's quite intense. I mean, when you read it, it's, it's really intense. Love. When you read that, that, the, the whole thing, you know. And by God's grace, I think I managed to paraphrase it in six minutes. But, okay. Prayer always bears results. When you look at your screen, there's one verse out there. Isaiah 53 verse 11. Many renderings of the word, many translations of that verse. This is from the Amplified Translation, Amplified Classic Translation, and it says, As a result of the anguish of his soul, he shall see it and be satisfied by his knowledge of what he has accomplished. The righteous one, my servant, shall justify the many, making them righteous, upright before God, in right standing with him. For he shall bear the responsibility for their sins. We partook of the communion, communion this morning. And we know that it is the blood of Jesus. This is talking about Jesus, right? He died for us. He lived a righteous life. He was born sinless. He lived a sinless life on our behalf. He died. He rose again. And because of that blood that was shed, because of that body that was broken, we have a covenant with God, our Heavenly Father, right? 
That's also another thing that Jesus did. He prayed for us. He prayed for the unity of the church. In John 17, he prayed for the unity of the church. When we were kids and we had this Christian fellowship in college, right? My friends used to tell me, you put 10, not 10 lah, he said, actually you put five Christians, five diff- Christians from different places into a room, they'll come out and start five different denominations. So if someone asked me once, what you think is the hardest prayer Jesus prayed? I think it was the prayer for the unity of the church, unity of the body of Christ, right? But when Jesus prays, he does not pray empty, foolish prayers. He does not waste his words. When he prays, he prays prayers that God answers. Amen? Now, Jesus is also standing at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and I. Do you know the reason why we are here this morning? Someone prayed for us. Amen? Jesus is praying for us. Do you know that he has more faith that you would fulfill the destiny he has ordained for you than you have in yourself? Each time we fall, the voice of God is cheering us on, telling us that you can do it, you will do it, because I live in you, and by my spirit, I will enable you to do it. Amen? Why do we pray? Interesting. We all know why we pray. We know what prayer is, right? I'm trying to get this to click. Charles Spurgeon, one of my favorite authors. He was this guy who lived in the 1800s. He died, I think, when he was 55 or 56 years old. Why? Back then, they had no idea that smoking was hazardous to health. He preached. When he was preaching, he had a cigar in his hand. So next week, in case you see Pastor Ferks with a cigar, you know who he's trying to emulate. He used to smoke pipes and cigars as he preached. But the thing about this guy is when he walked past taverns and all that, people used to come out, fall down, and repent. Interesting, right? Because he carried the presence of God. And Spurgeon said this, prayer moves the hand that moves the world. It is not that prayer blackmails and arm twists God, but prayer brings us into agreement and alignment with God. Amen? God is not obliged to move on our terms. He moves, He acts, He responds on His terms. That's why when the children of Israel, remember when they came out of Egypt and Moses had gone up the mountain to pray, right? And he, was, he, has, he had gone for 40 days and 40 nights and they had no clue what had happened to him. So they decided to make a golden calf. Guess what they call the golden calf? They call it Yahweh. They were trying to worship God on their terms. They were, they were reducing God to their terms. And that makes God mad. Right? When we approach God, it has to be on His terms because when we expect God to approach us and function on our terms, He becomes our Buddha Pajabat. We become God. Follow what I'm saying? God is an awesome God and we come to Him on His terms. Prayer moves the hand that moves the world. Prayer brings the presence of God into the atmosphere of our lives. And prayer causes God's 
will to be established. Got it. Thank you. You've heard this quote before. When we pray, when we work, we work. When we pray, God works. This is a quote by Max Lucado. And I think in, in, in his first book, which he can't even remember the, the title, it's a 1984 book, he quoted this. Prayer brings results. Amen. I'm going to ask you a question. I know we all came, we prayed just now in church. But is prayer a part of our lives, a regular part? Is it something that we do like we breathe? You'll find out soon enough. <laughs> right? Abraham prayed. When he prayed, Lot's family was saved. When Moses prayed, Israel was delivered from Egyptian bondage. When Joshua prayed, the walls of Jericho crumbled. When Elijah prayed, he saw fire from heaven come and consume the offerings and the altar and the water that was in the troughs around the altar. When Nehemiah prayed, Jerusalem's walls were rebuilt in 52 days. When Jesus' disciples prayed, we saw the birth of the New Testament church in the book of Acts. Again in the book of Acts, when the church prayed, Peter was freed from prison. And when Peter and Cornelius prayed, we saw the church move towards global evangelism. There are so many things that happen when we pray in accordance to God's word. In fact, you know Daniel, he prayed, right? And he was delivered. I think the lions also prayed. Because after Daniel was delivered, they got double portion or triple portion. Because all Daniel's accusers were thrown in with them. <laughs> okay. You guys are awake now again. Praise the Lord. <laughs> wow, this is... I'm going to get you guys to help me, I think. Okay, thank you. Let me see if this goes back. Okay. Works. All right. Thank you. We know that prayer brings results. We know that prayer moves the hand of God when you come into alignment with the Word of God. What happens in a house of prayer? Isaiah 56, verse 7. All these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all the peoples. We always look at this particular, this, the last sentence which says, For my house will be called a house of prayer for all the peoples. But do you know that the first sentence says, All these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. God makes us joyful in the house of prayer. How many of you feel happy when you come to pray? Praise God. That's only about five of you all. The rest of you don't. Either you don't feel happy when you pray or you don't pray. When we come into the place of prayer, people who come to pray, you come to pray and you're praying for people who are disenchanted, people who are defeated, people who have been downtrodden, you know, so many people who come to that place 
seeking the presence of God, seeking the power of God, seeking the communion of the Holy Spirit. And that's where God brings healing, deliverance, salvation. God releases His presence into our lives. That's what happens in a house of prayer. And we are talking about not just the corporate, I mean, by the house of prayer here, it refers to the church, the place where you come to seek the presence of God corporately. But you and I are also individual houses of prayer, individual tabernacles that carry the presence of God. Amen. And for us to come in and seek God's face together, we see a synergy of sorts. One will chase a thousand, two will chase ten thousand, three. You do the math. How many of us here? You know, when we all come in and seek the face of God, so many things can happen. And that's what we want to do this year. That's what we have been doing. But we want to do it at a different level this year. My. Uh okay. The plan for us, the leadership of this church, Pastor Ferks, myself, all of us, is this to move into that place where God wants us to. Not just to move there individually, but to move there together. So that when you pray, when we pray, we release the presence of God. Amen. Why pray? Jesus' passion for prayer. We know that. If you just read the book of Luke, I think the first three, four chapters, you'll see Jesus went away by himself to pray. Jesus went away by himself to pray. Before he made any decision, important decision in his life, his life itself, his word, the word that he ministered, the healings that he performed, the miracles that he performed were all undergirded with prayer. That is what he modeled for us. In fact, excuse me, his disciples, they went to Jesus and they asked him about prayer, right? They saw Jesus walk on water. They saw Jesus feed the 5,000 and the 7,000. They saw Jesus heal people just by passing by those fellas. Everyone who touched the lady with the issue of blood touched the hem of Jesus' garment and she was healed. The demons that they couldn't cast out, Jesus cast out. Remember, Jesus said, this kind cometh not out except by fasting and prayer. He performed things that no one ever saw. Unprecedented, right? But of all the things they could have asked, why didn't they ask Jesus, how do we walk on water? What Kung Fu is this? Right? They didn't ask him about how to raise the dead. How do you raise the dead? How do you heal the sick? What did they ask him? Teach us to pray. Because they saw that the power of God manifested in Jesus' life came as a result of Jesus' prayer life. Amen? I know you guys are looking very somber this morning. Wake up, guys. I want you to focus on the Word. Even as I'm sharing, I pray that between the words that I speak, between my mouth and your ears, God will tweak it into Rema that will that will apply to your lives that will meet you at the very point of your needs amen as a church we want to follow Jesus pattern 
Jesus' pattern of prayer. Amen. He had a great passion for prayer and he modeled a lifestyle of prayer. Prayer is the only thing that we are commanded to do always. It's not sing. Be unceasing and persistent in prayer. It's not be unceasing and persistent in preaching. The first part there, be unceasing and persistent in prayer, is from the Amplified Translation. The second one below that, pray without ceasing, would be the New King James Version. Right? The thing is this. Are we called to eat without ceasing? Most Malaysians do that, but... Okay, y'all are awake now. Praise God. We are called to sing without ceasing? No. Talk without ceasing? No. Some of us can't do that. But we are called to pray without ceasing. Why? Why are we called to pray without ceasing? Anyone ever thought of that? I've been thinking about this a lot. Because when you pray without ceasing, you are in communion with God. Psalm 90 talks about God being our dwelling place through all generations. One rendering says, God being my place of dwelling, being my abode every second of my life. If my mind, my spirit, soul and body, all my faculties are focused on God, I will not be lost. I will not be disconnected from God. I will not be disconnected from the things that He has called me to do. Because when we are connected with God, we are most effective in the things that He has called us to do. In your vocation, in your work, in your school, in your relationships, the best you can be, the best you can do is through your connectedness to the Lord Jesus. That's why we are commanded to pray always. Jesus modeled it for us. We saw that prayer brings results. We have seen, right? We have seen results. We have prayed and God has answered our prayers many times, right? We know that we serve a God who is, as we say in Malay, Chakap Surupabikin. Amen? A God who is able to do what He has promised. A God will not, who will not abandon us. A God who will not forsake us. A God who rejoices over us with singing. Can you imagine that? As, as I'm carrying Zoe and singing over her, I can understand. That's what God does. No matter how old you are, God is older, right? <laughs> okay, praise God. Next slide. Thank you. We are here to build a praying church. We want to build a praying people. We want us to be aligned to Him and to His Word. Living Bible, 1 John 5.14 says, And we are sure of this, that He will listen to us whenever we ask Him for anything in line with His will. Not ask Him anything, but ask Him anything in line with His will. That is His Word. Amen. That is why you need to know the Word of God. You need to understand the Word of God. No shortcuts. Because if you don't know the Word of God, anybody can pray anything and you'll be saying amen to it. Do you know something? I'll just give you a tip. I'm very careful about this. Whoever prays for me, 
Well, praise for my wife, my daughter, or those who are associated with me, or even our church. Anyone for the matter, Pastor Ferg's Day, anybody, right? For anyone here, right? As long as I'm in that place, you know what I pray? I said, Father, I pray that any word, any pronouncement over their lives, any prayer that is made by anyone, Agong, Pastor Agong, or whatever pastor, whoever it is, right? Let it be in line with your word. Let it be in line with your word and your will and your purpose. Not something from that flesh of that person. Because a lot of people, we believe in prof, uh, prophecy according, in, according to the word of God. But anyone prophesies anything from their flesh. We don't want that over ourselves. We don't want that over our family. We don't want that. You know why? Because the enemy can use anybody. And if we are ignorant, he will lock us up and put a lid over us. And we will not walk into the destiny that he has ordained for us, that God has ordained for us. You remember Uncle David? When God healed Uncle David completely from cancer. And that time he was asking me, he said, look at this person. He was telling me, hey, look at uh, two of our, our, our close URM friends who had died. And I said, no, you are not them. This is what God's word says. See, when we are under pressure, the enemy's voice is the loudest. I don't know why, but sometimes we have to tell that voice to shut up in the name of Jesus and go back to listening to the word, I mean, the voice of God. And the best way to do that is to listen to the word of God. Go to the word of God. Pick up the promises of God. How many promises of God are in the Bible? See, you didn't. That's why you should come for Dominate Altar. I'll tell you why. 7,487. 7,487. 7,487 promises in the Bible. And all the promises of God are yes and amen to us. Amen. You don't need to be a JEW or a JU or a JOO. <sighs> right. As long as you are a believer in Jesus, that is the assurance God gives us. We need to be aligned to God through His Word. The first place where we come into alignment with, alignment with God is at His Word. Take God at His Word. Because if you do not take God at His Word, you are not connected to Him. A lot of times we pray for the unity of the church, can't? The first place the church unites is in the Lord, at His Word. Amen? So, Lord, you're there. <laughs> Amen? That's the first place. If you're not united with regards to believing in the Word of God, then we cannot be really united. How can two walk to the, together except they be in agreement? Amos 3.3. 3. You have to come into that place of agreement with God's Word, and then we are united as one. God cannot command a blessing in a church that is disunited. That's why the enemy fragments us so that your fruits, the fruits that you produce will probably, you know, you'll, you may not reach 100%. You may be in the 30% zone, maybe even the 60% zone, unless we come into that place of total unity to produce that 100% that God wants. And if we are able to produce that 100%, we will meet the needs of the community, we will meet the needs of the church, we will meet the needs of the nation. If every church does that, every church operates at that level of prayer, of connectedness with God, I tell you, it's not to us, right? Pastor Ferg's, myself, I mean, the leadership of this church, it's not about filling chairs with people. 
who are consumers. We want to fill the church with people who partner with us in believing that God has called us to release His presence. We want transformation so that we would become like Jesus, so that we would release His presence. That's all. You do that, I, I assure you, you will see change. God's change coming in. He listens to us. God, you know, He listens. Many years ago, I know this well, so I'm just going to share this with you quickly. It's not a long story. A 12-year-old kid prayed for his father, and he said, Jesus, if you can, please heal my dad. God healed him. God healed him. God healed his dad. God, you know, Jesus appeared to his father the next day itself and healed him. What was wrong with the father? The father had pancreatic cancer that had spread to his heart muscles, his lungs, his liver, every part of it. Had gone through an op. They took out quite a bit of parts of the tumor, you know, the mass. And there was no, I mean, the cancer grew back in a matter of weeks, and he was in a coma, comatose state for about 21, 21 days. But that kid's prayer, God answered. God is not deaf, he's not dumb. He's alive and well. And God is not particular. Sometimes when we pray in church, we say, you know, how many of you come, came from the Baptist church? Anyone here? No, okay. We were taught to pray very fastidiously. You pray to the Father in the name of the Son, Jesus. But sometimes when we pray in church, we pray to Jesus. Say, Lord Jesus, help us. Does Jesus say, oh no, you've not ikut petua yang saya syorkan. You did not follow my instructions. You're supposed to pray to my Father. No, he doesn't say that. Jesus said, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. That was the basis of the prayer that kid prayed. And God answered him. God is good. Today when we pray, we believe that God is able to answer us. When we pray, we are connected to God through the work of Jesus. That's why we want to pray. That's why we want to build this church into a church. Jesus is building us into a house of prayer. Not just a place that you come wherever you go, right? That's why when you come and pray corporately, it's so different. It's so different. I'm trying to get this to work again. Ah, okay. Align to his word again, James 5.16. We know that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. New King James Version, the Amplified says this, the heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. When put into action and made effective by God, it is dynamic and can have tremendous power. Do you see any, see any righteous people around here? Every single person here is righteous because of the righteousness of Jesus in us. Amen? Amen? So when you pray, when I pray, does God answer? Yes? God answers. Don't believe in any lies the enemy is selling you. Alright? Chukuk. Enough is enough. We want to see what God wants done we will see what God wants done in our lives, in our families, in our church, our community, 
and our nation. Amen. Heartfelt, persistent prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Not about coming and just praying once, right? Sometimes, you know, prayer does not die. The fellows who pray, the persons who pray could be now having breakfast with Jesus. The, pers- the persons who prayed for this church to be here, the persons who prayed for our salvation, for our well-being, they could be up there having breakfast with Jesus now. Died and gone. But their prayers are testifying before God. When they come together to pray, God takes our prayers and weaves them with the prayers of those that have prayed before. That's why when you're praying for Malaysia, many of these people could be back in heaven. But when we pray, God combines those prayers and brings about a result. That's why we are saved. That's why we pray. Amen? That's alignment with the word, alignment in prayer. Okay, I've got this. A praying church recognizes a few things. Among those, number one, when you pray, you know that God turns up. Amen? Believe that? You believe that? When we pray, God turns up. When we pray, we are able to understand and recognize the promises of God because we pray the word of God, we internalize the word of God, we release the word of God. So our prayers are aligned to God's word. Our prayers are aligned to the promises of God. Our prayers are aligned to His purposes. Our prayers are aligned and they release the power of God. And our prayers speak to the environment. Our prayers speak to dark powers. Our prayers speak to the people that we come in contact with. Our prayers speak to us as well, to our brothers and sisters, and to the heavenly hosts. They speak of God's preeminence. That means God is above all things. And God is able to transform things, align things, and bring them into agreement with His Word. That God's will will be established. Amen? And, yikes. Thank you. A praying church, a praying person, a praying church, we are prepared always. We are powerful because we have the presence of God, the dynamic power of God in us. We are principled because we are anchored on the Word of God. We cannot be moved back and forth by any shifting doctrines. We stand firm on the Word of God and we walk in the righteousness of God. We are persistent. We don't give up. And as such, in every situation, we are more than conquerors through Jesus who loves us. Very quickly, we pray. We have, you saw um, our, our dominant altar at 9 a.m. every Saturday. Okay, 9, we have moved back to our original time slot. It's 9 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. This is on every first, second, third, and fifth Saturdays. In fact, in the month of February, we are going to have it every week, every Saturday, right? March onwards, on the fourth Friday, every fourth Friday, we'll be having our dominate altar from 8 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. That means on the fourth week, Saturday is an off day. Lah. You can do whatever you want. If you want to start a prayer altar by yourself, go ahead. But 
we only meet on Fridays, every fourth Friday, and every other Saturday. That means first week, second week, third week, and fifth week. Prayer walks, prayer drives. We're going to be organizing prayer walks and prayer drives around this vicinity. And at the back, Kampung Baru Sungai Bulo, Kampung Selamat, and few other areas. Even Raman Putra and, 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 and so forth, Kota Damansara and all that. So uh, stay tuned, all right? And come and partner with us. How many of you have attended physical Dominate altar? Okay, I should say how many? Okay, that's one, two, three, four, five, six. That's about 10%. 10% or less. I'm just going to ask you this. I'm going to challenge you. Are you able to turn up next Saturday? Bole? Come and pray with us. Okay, come and pray with us. Some years ago, um, we went to pray for a, for a church in Suramban. We went from KL, right? To pray for a church in Suramban. And as I was praying, God revealed something to me. God showed me our... Um, what do you call it? Uh, SMCC. You know, SMCC area. And as I was praying, I saw fire all around this Saramban church in that area we were praying. And after a while, I saw SMCC. And that same presence, that same fire was around that uh, SMCC. And it didn't make much sense to me then. I was like, wow, must be super tired lah, you know? Belum makan lagi, hallucinating or what, right? So I came back and I was processing that. And I met up with a friend of mine, a uh, 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 pa- pastor friend, and I said, hey, you know what? He said, don't tell me. I know what you saw. You saw the presence of God in two places, your home base and the place you went to pray for. You know what? He said, God is just telling you this. When you go to pray for an, for, at a certain location, that same presence comes and surrounds your house because God is not limited by time or space. When you come and pray here, that presence here, it's also present in your house. Follow what I'm saying? That's what God does. When you come and walk this place, that is the assignment God has given us as a church. But the protection of God, the wall of fire also surrounds your home and the place that you go to. Do you know that we have gone for so many mission trips, some crazy mission trips? And we came back, right? No one came and told me, wow, I cannot spiritual attack. Lah. No one. who came with us? Not because of who we are, you know, but because of the God we serve. God takes care of His children. You handle God's business, He handles your business. But that's not just what prayer is about. It is communing with God, coming and meeting your Father. We say, Jesus, I love you, I love you, I love you. Love you more than anything more than everything. But I can't even get up at 9 o'clock and come and see God. No, 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 I'm not beating you guys up. Okay. Right. Next slide. Prayer retreat. We're having a prayer retreat. It's not that we are retreating, but we are moving forward. I don't know why they call it a retreat. I need to ask some of our learned friends here, like Brother Rodney here to elaborate why, or Pastor Fergs. Why do they call it a retreat? Is it because you're moving backwards? Getting away, huh? That should be prayer escape, lah. 
Okay, Papa. We're having a prayer retreat, 3rd to 5th June, all right? Uh, the details will be out soon. So, come in, pray with us. Pray with us, not at the prayer retreat only. Pray with us at the dominate altar. Also, come in early to, if you are able to come in at 9 a.m., there's an intercessory team that is praying for this service. Okay? We are okay if you serve anywhere else, all right? But come in and join us. Today is not so much. Yeah, it is, in a sense, a recruitment day kind of a thing. I wouldn't want to call it a recruitment day. Lah. Sounds very, uh, you know. Every believer is supposed to pray, so I'm not supposed to even recruit you guys, right? Why am I recruiting you? Uh, so, come. Less than 10% come for Dominate physically. I know we are good people. We are... You know, when we go on Zoom, right? If you're not under our powers, off the TV, I mean, sorry, off the, off the camera. One time, I was, I was at a national prayer altar. We were just participating there, lah, right? Just checking out. And we could hear someone snoring. Lah. <laughs> Serious. Snoring. I was like, oh, yo. If my hands could go through there and just pop the person, I would have done it. Pray altar. And then the, the prayer leader is praying, oh God, pour out your fire, pour out your fire, and all the fellows are praying. And then suddenly I can hear. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, I'm sure that person wasn't slain. <laughs> real tongues. Yeah, real tongues. Real tongues, right? Coming back to this church, you can connect with you can just inform the connect team, give them your contact numbers, all right, to join the prayer ministry. We'll reach out and get in touch with you. As Some of you have already given us your contact. If you have and you want to give it again, please do. Come in and pray with us. Lah. Don't just give us your contact numbers. Lah. Come and pray with us. Lah. Right? We want action. Amen? We're going to worship God a bit and we're going to pray. All right? So, and if you can't, you can just contact anyone. Uh, you can give me your contact number or even Denise or Pastor Ferg's day. Any one of us will come back to you on this. We'll come back to you today. Okay, if you give us today, we'll come back to you today. So that being said, let's get into this place and worship God. Remember that we pray because we love the Lord. We pray because we are in communion with the Lord. We pray because that's what God has commanded us to. All right? And let's not let 2023 pass like any previous year before this. Let this be a defining year in our lives. God spoke to us and said, this is going to be a milestone year for us. And we're going to really experience that awesomeness of God. Amen. Father, establish your word, your will, and your purpose over SIBKL at Sumai Bolo. Over every single person that is gathered here, over every family represented here, both physically and most and online. And Father, even in the recorded sermons, as they hear it, Father, let your glory just touch them. Minister, bring life, bring healing, bring restoration, God. Today I ask, God, we ask, that you pour out a fresh outpouring of your presence over us. You pour out your spirit of prayer over us. 
that we have a passion for your presence unlike any time before in our lives and you give us discernment and insight to know your will to know your voice and give us a resolve to obey you father and lord if there be any lid over any life this morning father we break it in jesus name we remove it completely so that each one of us our families we can walk into the destiny that you have ordained for us we rebuke every spirit of fear every spirit of doubt every unbelief every spirit of self determination every anti progress spirit we break you in jesus name we bind you we uproot you we cast you out in the name of jesus for the release your presence over your church release your fresh anointing over us help us to be a church that honors you a church that reverences you as your word says in daniel 11 and 32 the second part help us to be a church that knows their god we bless and worship you god we bless and worship you If any of you at all needs any prayer, anything at all, you want to pray over some something, a situation in your life, or you want to pray for someone after this, you can just come to the front. We've got our prayer team who will minister to you. Our leaders, our pastors will minister to you. And you've got anything to ask about the prayer ministry, or you felt in your spirit this morning to come in and. partner with us in prayer please reach out to the connect team or even myself or denise or even pastor flurks or the anyone of us any of the leaders father you are good you are good you are so good god you're so good i ask you this Is everyone here a believer in Jesus? Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I think today is the last uh, is today chapter for me. Yeah. We're going to meet your relatives, your friends, anyone at all and anyone you have in your mind to intercede for who has not come into the knowledge of God. Write down their names in a card. today if you have not done so already and speak god's word over them speak salvation over them right and pray do send us you can even send us you know in the prayer ministry their names we will be praying for them regularly we'll pray for them regularly it is the will of god that none should perish and to use every resource we have to see to it that they have that chance to come to the knowledge of god Amen. Praise God. Some of you guys are going to get up and pray so much more than you ever did. I just I know that the presence of God is here to anoint you, to fill you afresh. God is good. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray God that your word and your word alone will take root in the lives 
of my brothers and sisters even in my life we don't want anything that is not of yours to be deposited into their lives but only that which you have ordained for them in this church father cause them to encounter your presence cause them to grow and mature cause them to grow in favor in stature in wisdom in maturity and beauty before you and before all the grace of our lord jesus christ the love of god our heavenly father and the sweet fellowship of the holy spirit be with you abide in you permeate your lives and be released through you every day that you walk this earth in jesus name amen